Hey there, I'm Dale McFadden, and welcome to a, another episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dale McFadden. Uh, earlier this week on ESPN, a new E60 documentary called Fistful of Steel, The Rise of Bubba Wallace debuted. Uh, and I got to the chance to talk to the writer and the, the man behind it, uh, Ryan McGee, a longtime ESPN Motorsports writer uh, for the podcast. Uh, so we, we talked for almost an hour about the documentary and NASCAR in general. Um, we started out talking about uh, <laughs> Spider-Man, No Way Home, Marvel, and a little bit of Star Wars. Um, so that's the first thing you will see and hear us talking about uh, on this, this episode of Driving the Hammer. I've, I've been wanting to, to have a conversation with, with Ryan for, for a long time like this. He's my favorite active uh nascar writer he he's who i want to be when i grow up and i'm i'm 30 uh almost 31 so um without third further ado here's my exclusive interview with ryan mcgee of espn about his new e60 document documentary on bubba wallace and also we talk about uh his e60 documentary from earlier this year on the 20th anniversary of the death of dale earnhardt um so we, we get to talk about both of those uh, he's, he's got some great stories to tell, um, and this is just a really fun uh, conversation, and I can't wait to have Ryan on the show again. So here it is, my conversation with ESPN's Ryan McGee. How about this one? Any other one? But my daughter, uh, I was all proud of myself the morning they went on sale. I got three tickets for tonight at like 7.30. And, uh, that's, that's what mine is. So. <laughs> and, and she can't go to like a midnight show because she's got school tomorrow so we're going uh, that's a really long way of saying we're going saturday morning <laughs> <laughs> they don't do midnight showings anymore no it sucks i was just uh i was doing uh i got a group of guys in omaha the espn radio guys in omaha do hit with they're big star wars guys and we were yeah. having a conversation yesterday about um the the death of the midnight showing but whatever i'm too old for that anyway <laughs> yeah, I remember when Return of the King came out, which is an hour too long anyway. And it started it started like twelve fifteen and we all went to sleep. Like I have no idea what happened. So anyway. Wow. Yeah. My oh. first midnight showing was I think the dark night. Or yeah, or, or incredible or incredible hulk. Or incredible hulk. Oh. I'm sorry. Mine was, hey. mine was mine was probably uh, I think ours was Phantom Menace. I think Phantom Menace might have been the first time anybody did that. Like we did it, we went to we went to like an eleven thirty showing, and everybody was dressed up and the whole damn thing. So it was cool. But, yeah, I, I did not. Yeah. I've, unfortunately, I didn't get to do any midnight showings for Star Wars. Unfortunately, yeah. for the, the sequel trilogy <laughs> or or the but, well, you, well, you know my story right about uh, about Force Awakens was um same thing. You know, uh, my daughter, I guess, would have been probably in elementary school at the time in the uh, or middle school. It was middle school because the uh, my wife's like, well, we can't go this weekend because of this, 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 this and this. Oh, she goes, she, she's like, we'll see it on Monday. I was like, OK. And so I dropped my daughter off at school, drove straight to the theater. <laughs> and it was like it was like a 750 a.m. showing. And literally everyone in the theater was oh, a 40 something year old dude. And. <laughs> And we're all crying, you know, yeah. when Han dies. And so when, and when it's over with, this one guy stands up and he goes, everybody's got on suits. And they're all bankers and shit. And, and one guy goes, he goes, he goes, okay, we all agree. None of us were here right now. Right? We're, like, yeah. <laughs> so, we're all in the same boat. We're like, yeah, I ain't wait till Monday. But anyway, all right, sorry. But yeah, I'm excited about Spider-Man. So then the all reviews right. have been great. I haven't so, read any reviews, but the numbers, the numbers are amazing. So yeah, I haven't read anything. I think I I think I had one thing spoiled for me by Reddit, unfortunately. Yeah, see, I don't I I put it on lockdown. Like I, I mute yeah. stuff. I don't I got a friend named Sean O'Connell that writes for Cinema Blend, and he's a huge Spider-Man guy, but he's the worst. Like he's he he gives up everything. So I like I, I always mute him. Like in yeah. the weeks leading up to anyway, so yeah, I've yeah, every, I'm excited. Yeah, I've, I've, I've I have everything muted. You you'll appreciate yeah. this. I made a TikTok last night. Um, that the title is trying to avoid Spider-Man spoilers. Yeah, and all yeah. it is is an edited version of the Sports Center Y2K commercial. Yeah, um, that's it. That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> and, at, that's awesome. and, at the, and at the end, instead of I covered up Sports Center, so it says this is the internet. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I have to I have to go look that up. 
So welcome to Dropping the Hammer, uh, Ryan, Ryan McGee. I think you're the, probably the first person we've had I've had on the show that could really appreciate the title and the, the title treatment. Oh no, I, I have uh, I have been since the moment that I first saw your choice of font, of design, of color. You knew that I knew exactly what you were doing, and I appreciate that. So so bravo to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I mean, I got I've got a uh, I got these on display right over here by my. Oh, I want that. Uh, I want that. There you go. I found that in a. Uh, yeah, look, I got them all right here. So there you go. I should have. I should have had those. Should have had those displayed behind me. I, I have the Superflow car and the Hardy's car. I need. Yeah. I need the the Chevy and the Mel Mellow Yellow cars. Yeah, my daughter. Uh, my daughter found them because she knows that. She knew I was going to buy them anyway, so she saw them and bought them for me. So it was nice. <laughs> all right, so you're here to talk about. Uh, Fistful of Steel, The Rise of Bubba Wallace, um, yeah. your E60 documentary. So you've gotten to bookend 2021 with two pretty significant E60 projects about NASCAR, which, for my money, are about the two biggest NASCAR stories of the last 20 years. Uh, would that be your assessment? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And man, how fortunate am I that um, that I've had this relationship with, with E60, gosh, really since it started. And, um, and when we pitched these ideas and, you know, I pitched Bubba, they pitched me on Earnhardt. Uh, I was already working on a big project for ESPN.com. And so, you know, these are, these are one year projects, you know, that Earnhardt thing, we worked on that thing for, for more than a year. Really? Okay. Uh, and Bubba Wallace, same thing, Bubba Wallace, you know, the, 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 the primary interview you see, that's kind of the spine through the, through the, one of the, one of the most you know the feeling, Daniel. You you don't get it very often in your career, but there's those interviews that you do where you you get in the truck to leave and you go, I can't believe that just happened. Like it mm -hmm. was it, it was three hours, and that interview was a long time ago. And so, um, when when was it? It was it was it was months ago. It was we were we were working on uh, we were actually working on a on a like top newsmakers of 2020 okay. uh, story, and we did an interview with Bubba, and, and it was so good that we immediately were like, we have to do more on this, and so. We were we dedicated a year to, to working on that and and what a year it was right I mean we had no idea after everything we'd endured in 2020 what was going to happen in 2021 and you know you also won a race and, uh, <laughs> so yeah so so it was but it, but but I'm very fortunate that that I'm given the platform to work on projects like that and to pitch projects like that and yeah I, I agree with you 100 percent it's the two it's the only two times you you think I I've used this example a lot it's the only the only thing I could ever think of that came close to what we saw at Talladega with Bubba Wallace that Monday morning when everyone walked out behind his car was yeah. when everyone was lined up to high five Dale Earnhardt, you know, after he won the, the 98 Daytona 500. And so I, it was, yeah, uh, I never, I never thought about that. Of, yeah. A lot of symmetry there. So what, like, so you you were interviewing him for something completely different. So what once the like I guess the mandate came down, hey, you're doing the the Bubba thing. Like what was the the, the game plan on like who you wanted to talk to, and how, how did everything come together? Really? Well, I I had done when when Bubba made his Daytona 500 debut mm -hmm. um, in 2018. We did a pretty extensive, you know, the big feature unit for Sports Center is called SC Features. And okay. I had worked with a woman named Lauren Stoll who, who worked on NASCAR for years. And she's, she's one of the most talented feature producers. Uh, I don't, I don't care if it's news, sports, whatever. She's a phenomenal producer. And Lauren and I had worked on a, of uh, an extensive story about Bubba Wallace leading into the Daytona 500 and then did a follow-up where she had a crew following Bubba that night. And we had interviewed Wendell Scott's family. We had interviewed Desiree um wallace bubba's mom uh we'd interviewed amanda who at the time was bubba's girlfriend now it's his fiance um and so i already already hit on some of these tough topics with them three years ago yeah and then when bubba was so forthcoming and so open as you know he always is um but i've had such a great relationship with him for such a long time that, that he opened up on a lot of topics about his family you know about um the loss of his cousin Mm -hmm. um uh sean gillespie about, about all these people that that in these stories that i think he had told if you went back and you could piece it together in different places yeah like he, he'd been on the dale jr download and stuff and, and talk 
touched on some of that stuff yeah but but never all at once in the course of three hours which is what Mm -hmm. he did this day we thought we'd interview him for 15 20 minutes for this oh wow working on and it went on three hours and so i was the one that was like we have to do more with this and um and and thankfully you know it was greenlit and then that was right after that uh or right before that is when they announced the the uh the michael jordan deal um then we roll into another daytona uh let's see how how it goes um and one thing led to another and the original plan was to do it in the summertime and we decided to wait until the season was over with which i think was the right thing to do well because yeah there's, there's not a whole lot, whole lot going on right right now it, yeah. it could get, get get forgotten you yeah. know in the middle Plus, of anyone anyone in october yeah yeah so, and that, yeah and it's and it's um and that was that was a big moment man it, it's um it kind of got lost you know it was again it was at, at on a monday at Talladega. yeah um and um you know I, I remember i was at the gym and have my laptop out and I'm working on a college football column and the races I asked if they could put the race on one of the TVs there in the, in the, you know, the cafeteria area. And I knew the rain was coming. We all did. I couldn't hear it, but I could see what was going on. And then I checked the weather radar and I saw it was really coming. And when I saw him take the lead, that's when I started texting everybody going, Hey, everybody in Bristol, Connecticut needs to be watching this race right now, because I think it's going to end. And Bob Wallace going to win the race. And so, uh, but, but it kind of got lost, you know, in the middle of football, in the middle of NBA was starting and everything else. Um, and, uh, and, you know, NASCAR suffers from that anyway in the fall. And, and so uh, for that to have happened on a Monday morning, it just kind of got lost. But, yeah, uh, what a moment that was, man. And, and uh, I, I, think, I think we're going to appreciate or the, the general sports public is going to appreciate it more the further we get away from it. So – when, when it came to the storytelling part for Fistful of Steel, like what, what was the most surprising direction it went for you that we, maybe you weren't expecting? Uh, the family. Okay. Um, you know, for, for Bubba to be as honest as he was about um, his tenuous relationship with his dad, yeah. Darrell Wallace Sr., for his dad uh, to, to talk with us about it. And there's a point, and it's in the, in the documentary where he says, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Yeah, I was going to ask um, about and, that. Yeah, his, but uh, Desiree, um, Bubba's sister, uh, Amanda, uh, his fiance, they all were very honest about it. And um, that's, I didn't expect it to go there. Um, and, and that's the part that, quite frankly, I think that's the part no one really knew about. It was no secret. I mean, you, you know, Daryl Sr. Was, was a mainstay at the track from the time I first saw Bubba racing Legends cars all the way mm-hmm. up until the Daytona 500 2018. He wasn't there. And, when I saw how emotional Bubble was after he finished second in that race, I knew a lot of that had to do with just everything that built up to that moment, but also knew it had a lot to do with the fact that I assumed it's because his dad wasn't there. He said something about it, but he'd never really uh, allowed himself to open up about it. And so when the whole family started talking about that, it lends so much perspective on a lot of the things when you go back and see what Bubba said about mental health and about the stress that he was under and about you, mm-hmm. y'all don't know what I'm dealing with right now. Um, getting a window into that was not, I, I expected to talk about Confederate flag. I expected to talk about the noose. I expected to talk about those things. I expected to talk about, you know, winning a race, uh, Wendell Scott, all those things. I did not expect um, to have that conversation about the family, but I'm, I'm thankful that they were all willing to share that. Uh, I, the, the the documentary it kind of, it kind of skipped over a certain area like you don't include like his Xfinity series time with with Rash Fenway or when he subbed for Eric Almarola which leads to the full time rides can you explain like why you didn't include that particular era what of his story um you only get seventy minutes yeah and that's a- and, and 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 you've got to hit on um you got to hit on some really I mean you know the the best projects i've ever worked on whether it's writing a piece or whether it's television whatever is mm-hmm. when you're leaving stuff on the cutting room floor that you don't want to cut out yeah um but you know we only have so much time and and quite frankly too you know you got to think about the who the e60 audience is and you know the e60 audience um to us who follow nascar and yeah. who love nascar all the time yeah that 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 subbing for amarola was a big deal uh, to, to the to the general sports audience who just wants to know who is this guy mm-hmm. the x's and o's of that it was much more important to give that time to the wendell scott story which which we all know again because we live in the sport but 
your stick and ball guy who's watching ESPN and primetime on a Tuesday night, you didn't know that story. Yeah. And so, so you have to make decisions about what you're going to include, what you're not going to include. And um, in the director's cut, uh, we, we certainly would have included those things, but, uh, but in, in the time that we had, uh, those were the decisions that we made. Yeah. I wrote my review. It was like, this, this is, this isn't intended for, for people who are immersed in the, the minutia of the NASCAR world. It's for the people who are playing catch up. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was curious what, what, if there was any specific reason why you, you skipped over that. Well, and, and you know this too. I, I was talking to a, a journal, a sports journalism class, uh, um, at an SEC school a few weeks ago. And I was talking about, you know, understand the, big, the biggest thing is to understand who your audience is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm writing a column about, you know, lug nuts <laughs> that I know that I know is going to go on the NASCAR page at ESPN.com, then I, we're going to have a pretty, I'm going to get down and dirty in that. If back in the ESPN, the magazine days, when I would write a story about, you know, changes coming in the upcoming season, including lug nuts, I've got to explain what that means or don't even go there at all because there's just, mm-hmm. there's certain, it's, it's understanding who your audience is when you're talking. When I'm, when I'm doing an interview on, on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, I can go full racer nerd. <laughs> you know, if I'm doing the same interview about the Daytona 500 or whatever, and it's on, you know, uh, it, it's on the Max Kellerman show, then I, you know, there's a different language that I have to use because I'm trying to explain some things, you know, it's no different than any other sport. It's just no different than you and me talking about Marvel, right. Or star Wars, <laughs> depending well, on who you're, depending on who you're talking to, you can either go as deep as you want, or you need to, you know, uh, it, it, pump the brakes a little bit. It kind of reminds me, um, years ago, I, I, I interviewed Ed Hinton for a story I did for him in grad school. And he talked about his days at sports illustrated and he w- was writing a story about, Indy 500 or something and like editors came back do, don't, don't you think we should explain what a lap is right it's like yeah. I deal I with that all the time I know I it, well I always go back to I, I worked on a show called RPM tonight on ESPN2 yeah. that was my baby when I, when I was right out of college when we started that show and I remember how clear as a bell it was we did a dress rehearsal it was the the night of the uh the rusty Del Earnhardt uh Del Earnhardt Terry Labonte legendary night race at, at Bristol Wait, and and 90, um, 95 95 right? yeah and so i'm sitting in a, in a conference room at the worldwide leader in sports and i've got my coordinating producer who's a sports broadcasting legend i've got my producer who ended up becoming a, a phenomenal uh executive and i've got a young feature producer who's won emmys and i've got kenny main who at this point no one had ever heard of and for there's a huge rain delay in that race for five hours i'm answering what's a yellow flag mean what's a red flag you know why did they do so and so and so and that was the night that kenny looked at me and he goes he could tell i was getting irritated he's like hey he goes hey what's a what's a headache powder (laughs) headache powder 500 and so yeah so it's it but but the point is is they wanted they asked and they wanted to know so i've never run people down you know i'm not a soccer guy and I get so irritated. The reason I don't like soccer is because I can't ask any questions. If I ask, "What's a so and so card?" or "What's that line mean?" You should know this. This is a world game. Well, <laughs> maybe you should explain it to me, and then I'll I might care. So that's how I've always felt about motorsports, whether it's just somebody on an airplane or whether it's my editor who doesn't know anything about it. All right. So you know, uh, social media has a particular temperature when it comes to anything Bubba Wallace related. Right. So. When this project was announced, what kind of stuff did you see uh, on like Twitter about it? Oh, I, I can't tweet anything without hearing about the news. Yeah, I mean, it, since 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 that day, um, uh, or, or or since that Tuesday, um, mm-hmm. I, I to this day, I and and uh, I can't I can't post anything. I can't post I can't post a link to a college football column without within the first ten responses being well, are you still pushing the news narrative or whatever? And so, uh, you know, that's, and, that, and that's what I, I'm told. That's what happened this past week. I mute this conversation is the greatest mm. uh, thing that Twitter ever did. I haven't looked at any of it. Um, I know I've had some elected officials come after me. Um, really? And, yeah. I, I haven't seen any of it. I just have heard, I just have, I've got, you know, what'll happen is the producers, the directors of the film, they'll all be like, Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I'm like, Nope. 
Cause I just, again, I learned during the Confederate flag. I wrote, a, I wrote, I wrote a column about the Confederate flag that I'm still very proud of. And to this day, I get hate mail about it. Um, and, uh, and particularly with the news thing, which, which NASCAR did none of us any favors with how they handle all that. No. And, 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 uh, we're all still paying the price for it, but none, none like Bubba. In fact, the, the text I sent, uh, some of my coworkers were like, I can't believe people are reacting, haven't even watched the show and they're, they're just flying off the handle about the news and the guy from empire and the actor and all that stuff. And I'm like, this is what Bubba deals with. 24 hours a day yeah. and and he reads it i mean he, he goes out there and you know he, he doesn't uh, he'll walk away from it for a little while but he's as you know active on social media but i just shut it down this week because it's not worth it it's not real life you know and i a lot of it too is you know these and this real thing a lot of these these algorithm bots that are designed to just make us all fight with each other mm. that's fine but i just but it's you know it is what it is but i tell you this um, i've learned a lot about people that i thought i knew I mean, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've heard from some people that I've grew up with, went to high school with, went to college with, whatever, and they've, they've now stood up and identified themselves as, as to what they're, they, who they really are. And so, in a way, it's been nice because it's kind of let me know, all right, I'll probably – I wasn't really friends with that guy anyway, so I'm sure I'm not going to be now. You said, you know, NASCAR didn't do us any favors, but I was just thinking about this really before, before you hopped on here. It was like um, – would it have would it have been better if NASCAR didn't let anyone know about the news and their investigation into it um, until it was over? Yeah, maybe. But if they don't, uh, we don't get that moment on pit road uh, yeah. uh, on Monday for the drivers. But but the wording of it was wrong. Yes, um, you know the, the 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 initial wording of it was wrong. The press conference was not handled great. Um, you go back and look at the transcript of that press conference now and knowing what we know, and a couple of the answers make you go, you know, man, could have helped us out right there. Mm -hmm. um, they did Bubba no favors in that thing. And, and their intent was to do the right thing. Yeah. And their intent was to protect him. Their intent was to show support for him. But there was too much emotion attached yeah. to the response. Um, the language was strong, and it should have been strong. But um, but it set the stage for what happened over the next couple of days. And listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not blaming NASCAR, but uh, but I am saying it didn't help. And and the reaction was going to be the reaction regardless. Mm -hmm. Once it got out there and it was going to get out there, um, you know the crazies they 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 just they they're so drawn to these things. And again, it's a lot of people out there with very important positions. Their job is to keep all of us agitated and keep everybody mad. <laughs> and and so you know I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, we, we saw it as, again as soon as this uh jesse smollett thing as soon as he he was found guilty uh in the days leading up to this documentary yeah and immediately i mean elected officials are calling bubba out and i'm just like the hell are we doing you know it's just if you know if you really know the facts and the facts don't really seem to matter anymore then you know yeah. what the actual story is but 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 the stage was set with the best intentions mm -hmm. because people were so angry steve phelps talked to us about crying when he was talking to bubba about it that night um there was so much emotion attached to it if you put it within the context of that weekend first race with fans and no confederate flags uh you had those idiots riding around outside the track with the trucks you had the guy that paid the money to fly the flag or the confederate flag over the track oh, that it was, was a powder keg it was a powder that, keg. That, that that that's what was the, the context of that day is important, and it's a rain out. Now, now you got to come back and race tomorrow morning. It just was we're still in the middle of COVID, and no vaccine anywhere on the horizon. I mean, it's just a mess. And so you add yeah. all that up, I understand why things were written and said the way they were written and said. But but looking back, I think they would probably like to walk some of that back a little bit. Yeah, I, I really like that the documentary included uh, Howard Bryant. Um, to get his perspective. I think he, for, for my money, he had the perspective and line of the night when he said, I think the news, you know, incident just showed that when you have something like this happens, white people will go above and beyond to say that a certain thing isn't racist. And then you'll, you'll have, you know, somebody from the black community or whatever saying, Oh no, let me tell you all the reasons this is racist. Yeah. Um, I think that encapsulated a lot about what we've been dealing with for the last 
um what 17 months yeah um go ahead sorry no 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 you're 100 right and i was i was so thankful that that howard agreed to uh to talk to us and, and it's um you know it's it, i've said this a hundred times but you know the film opens with one of the two stories that bubba tells about being pulled over by police and having his vehicle searched and can you afford this and where are you getting the money and and all that and uh you know i as a 40 some year old white man am, am horrified you know I, this is an extraordinary story and when i talked to howard bryant and i talked to quite frankly any black man united states they're just like whatever man it happens every day hundreds of times a day and it's happened to me happened to me this 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 time and that 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 time and, and it's it's uh you know it's an eye of what we over the last 17 months you're talking about we've all been educated yeah and it's been a very uncomfortable conversation uh and some people have reacted to that lack of comfort uh in a disappointing fashion um but everybody's having to hear it and uh so i'm thankful for howard bryant to come in and say things like that because that's perspective that i, I can't give you and, and so uh and, and howard certainly can and bubba certainly can was there any like the only other uh nascar driver you that, that was in the final version anyway that you talked to was jimmy johnson who obviously helped orchestrate what happened on the monday at talladega was there any other nascar drivers like his best friend ryan blaney that maybe you tried to talk to we reached out um and uh you know a lot of this was shot at a, at a difficult time to set up shoots to be honest with you okay. uh, we we got no's but i don't believe that it was um it wasn't like oh hell no i'm not gonna talk about that uh now that being said uh as you know in the film bubba addresses the fact that Check. when he reached out initially um most of the guys were like i don't want to talk about this because the sponsors don't want me to talk about it but we we didn't get any no's that i felt like were based in that um but yeah we interviewed jimmy uh we interviewed uh we interviewed a couple other drivers but but it was um you know no one was more eloquent than jimmy so jimmy mm -hmm. made the cut so how which of these of your two e60s are you more more proud of uh fistful of steel or the intimidator man that's a good question um I'm proud of both. I'm proud that they let me do both. Um, what was interesting was it was a more emotional experience for me than I expected with both of them mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, the blowback we're talking about and because I have to hear about the news all every single day. Uh, but the Earnhardt thing too was I was young, man. And, and it, with the Earnhardt thing, I, I remember coming in, I had just got married. My mom had just passed away. And I got to the point where, Daniel, I was covering funerals more than yeah. I was covering races, it felt like. And mm. I knew Adam Petty. I knew Kenny Irwin. Um, you know, I, I knew all these guys. And so, um, and it wasn't just them. It was, it was, it was, it was open wheel racing was even the worst. Yeah. You know, I, I knew all those guys. And so, I, and I was, I, I went to, I went to three open wheel races in a span of 12 months where people got killed. And so, uh, it just was, um, both were more emotional for me than I expected. Um, but particularly Earnhardt, just because I was so young at the time and wanted to quit. I told my wife, I said, I got to go cover baseball because they're not covering funerals every weekend over there. And, and it was, or I got to cover something other than this. And, uh, and thankfully I didn't, but it was, uh, but it, more proud of, I don't know. Um, I'm proud of both of them, but I, but I, I was caught off guard by, how emotional the Earnhardt experience was Go, going back through, you know, my wife hates that I'm a pack rat, right. But I've got it all, man, back here on the <laughs> shelf. I got the Earnhardt crash report and all my notes from back in the day and my scripts that I wrote for features back in the nineties and two thousands. I've got all that stuff and pulling all that stuff back out and going back through it was, um, that was a little more emotional for me than I expected it to be. I would, I would love to work on a project like this with you just for the research element. Well, I tell you the best part was, so in addition to, the TV part also will, will typically write like a companion piece. Mm -hmm. And with that Earnhardt thing, that's the biggest, that's the most words I'll ever write without a book deal. Like it was, I wrote a, four it was a great series. It was a thing. great series. I wrote a four part series. It was almost 30,000 words. And wow. the best part was again, talking about educating editors. I have a phenomenal editor working with me on this thing. Um, I worked at the Boston globe and, and New York times and everything else. But at one point, 
there was a point where he calls and he says, I can't find this, this story you tell anywhere. Like there's no clips of this anywhere. How did you learn about this? And I'm like, I was there. And then, you know, a couple of days later, well, how, what, this quote from Earnhardt, where did you get that? I'm like, I, he gave it to me. Like I have, you know, I have my notes. I have, I, so it, it's interesting. Uh, what you learn as you get older is wisdom has nothing to do with being smart. <laughs> it, w- wisdom is like Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. It's just that you've been around so long that you know things that, you know, an increasing number of people around you don't because, uh, you know, those of us who were around Dale senior, uh, there aren't a lot of us in the media center anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, but again, my pack rat, uh, my, if I would, I'm not going to show you, but if I turn this camera left <laughs> and right, you would see <laughs> my office is like a closet, but it's, um, my pack rat ways served me well when it comes to retrospectives. Well, you said you were young then. Um, I had just turned 10. Right. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Within two, within two weeks earlier, I turned 10 when Dale died. I unfortunately, like, I didn't get to watch the race uh, because my dad, who, who was just, just a big uh, Arnold fan as me, had gone on a business trip to Detroit that weekend. And that Sunday, wow. we had taken him to the airport. Yeah. And so I didn't get to see it at all. So I turned on ESPN News that evening and I see the Mike Kelton announcement. Dope. That's how, so that's how I found out. So I never watched a lap, um, yeah. but I was a huge Arnhardt fan and have been for years. And for me, the 20th anniversary, I don't know if it's the same for you. The 20th anniversary was the opportunity really to kind of like resolve kind of lingering emotional residue or whatever from that experience of losing Dale Arnhardt was, was that the same for you? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, and I think that, um, you know, the, you think back now, you know, 20 years ago, that was really kind of the start of the super intense 24-hour news cycle. Um, you know, that was still kind of mm-hmm. a new concept. And so, you know, to fill the, the, the space, you just have noise, right? And um, it's speculation about this and about that and restricted plate racing killed him and Mm-hmm. Um, so on, so you know, everybody starts coming up with all this stuff and just to fill the, the space. And so you, the noise starts, and I think this will happen with Bubba Wallace's story the, the noise starts and everything gets lost. So you have to kind of wait 10 years or mm-hmm. 15 years or 20 years and then look back. And, and going back through um, all of what happened then, you know, knowing that the Hans device was there, I had done, I had produced a feature for RPM tonight the um the summer of 2000 about softwalls and about all the different you know softwall systems that were out there and in the story every excuse in the world is why i hadn't used it you know well you got to bolt it onto this and it creates too much debris and it'll bounce the cars back into that but everybody and, and earnhardt himself ripping on the hans device it called it called it a noose and, and so it's it's um uh it, it's crazy going back and reliving those things but then there's clarity that comes with it, like you're talking about, where you kind of look at it and you go, okay, gosh, this is – and getting everybody to just sit in a room and say, get Kyle Petty uh, for that Dale Earnhardt documentary, he, he was the backbone of that show. And, and for Kyle to sit there and talk about his son, and, yes, I believe I, he could have been saved if we had done these things faster. And uh, why, that's why Kyle wore the old clunky Hans device, the you know, like Vader helmet, right? It was huge. And – then for Ryan Newman to sit there and say, I would 100% be dead if that crash had happened um, in 2000 as opposed to now, or even 2010 as opposed to now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's there's clarity in those things. And, again, it's interesting when you get to a certain age and you, you lived it and watched it. And uh, what's really fun is when you hear people try to tell you how it was back then. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they do not know, and, and I do. Like – I I like I made a TikTok the other day showing some of my NASCAR memorabilia collection, and some some person just commented, "NASCAR hasn't been the same since Dale Senior died," and yeah. I, I replied, "I would hope any sport wouldn't be the same twenty years after one person died." Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 um, uh, Marty Marty Smith and I talk about all the time about uh, again those of us who were 
like like you want to walk into the garage sometime and say, all right, show of hands, everybody, like all those people that were walking behind Bubba Wallace's car, show of hands, who met Dale Earnhardt Sr.? You know, and, you know, I, I don't, there's not a lot of hands that would go up. And and it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about, but that's just, that's, again, the good news is, to quote Lee Petty, Lee Petty used to all the time people would come up to him and say, man, I'm, I'm so glad to meet you. And he said, I'm damn glad I'm still here so you can meet me. And that's, that's how I feel when I, I start telling. So I, years ago, um, we, we had kind of this influx of young writers in the media center. I mean, this would have been seven, eight years ago. And one night I walked over to a couple of them. I said, hey, tonight, let's go to dinner. Okay. And, uh, you know, Tom Higgins and Steve Wade and those guys, uh, Ed Hinton, they did that for me when I was first coming along. And so we go to dinner and I'm like, I think that the questions are going to be about interviewing style or, you know, uh, mm. you know, you know trans, tr transitioning to TV and whatever else. And oh, no, no, all the questions were, uh, what, what was it like interviewing Sterling Marlin and uh, <laughs> was Rockingham cool? And I'm like, what the hell? yeah. So I'm like, uh, but I, I remember I called Higgins. I go, Hey, I owe you an apology. So why I said all these times I'm asking you questions about Curtis Turner and Joe Weatherly and, fireball roberts i go does it make you feel old he's like hell yeah it makes me feel old <laughs> so that's that's how i feel when people are coming to me and going man you know what was it like when jeff green was great you know that one year yeah it, it was it was a good it was a great year crew chief had the greatest mullet of I, all time i i, I kind of have something related to that um the night austin dillon won the coke 600 the, yep. the first win for the three since 2000 yeah uh we're we're, we're doing like the press conference stuff and this, at some point, I see a tweet come across from some someone else in the media center, sitting way back behind me. He goes, "Can we stop making a big deal about the three? And I'm like, "Oh, this won't stand. This won't stand." And so afterwards, I go back to this 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 kid. I say, "How old were you when when Dale Earnhardt died?" And he's like, "I was like four. It's like, okay, yeah. okay, all right, never mind. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Uh, it's it, yeah, but you know, all right, that's fine. Well, I." I remember the the late Marcy Scott, you know, who's was in PR forever. In fact, was Jeff Green's uh, PR rep for a while back in the Bush series days. But but uh, Marcy passed away several years ago. The media center Atlanta's named after. I remember standing, standing. And she and I kind of came in together. I kind of came in with this group of you know uh, some people people still around doing PR. And I remember being in the back of the media center, Daytona the new media center, some of us still call it. <laughs> and I'm standing in the back row and it's, it's jam full. And all of a sudden somebody tapped me on the shoulder and I look, it's Marcy Scott. And she goes, when in the hell did we become the old people in the media center talking about how it was back in the day? Cause when, cause she, when she and I first came along, I mean, this, this was the world of, you know, Steve Wade and Monty Dutton and uh, David Poole and, and Higgins and those guys were all still, you know, plowing every single weekend. And so, uh, so yeah, it was the days of Winston Cup scene, and uh, so yeah, we were we were the junior circuit back then, and now, now we're not. But yeah, but but again, but it's but I'm thankful to have been around and yeah. to have seen all these things, and, and it's uh, but yeah, that kid one day that you're talking about, whoever it was in the back of the media center, hey kid, uh, one day uh, somebody's gonna look at you and go, who's that old guy back there, and uh, and you'll be thankful for it. <laughs> I have one last documentary question. Um, yeah. Where did where did the title "Fistful of Steel" come from? It's kind of it's kind of an odd title. Well, Mike Farrell is uh was the co-director on the film, and Mike is um every E60 special that you know about and has won an Emmy. Mike was the director. Okay. Um, more than likely was involved. Mike and John Minton, uh, Lawrence Stoll, who I mentioned earlier, the feature producer that that worked on the SC featured. Uh, she was a a, a co-producer on it as well. But Farrell was the one that was in the edit suite all night. He came up with that. Um, and uh, and it was kind of trailer driven. If you saw the trailer, we had that trailer where we got the music cleared and and all that. And it was, um, I, I, I'm not a headline writer. Um, I've always left that up to editors and left that up to like a, like a show title like that. Okay. And the reason is because um, I'm sometimes way too inside. And, and so I like to leave it up to them. If I don't like it, I'll say. But 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 I like to leave it up to them because I think they have perspective on what the story is that uh, that I don't and uh, and 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 I liked it so it was, okay. it was uh, yeah and it was um um you know he Bubba has to go to work every day with his fist clenched he just does it's oh, not fair okay. he didn't want it. he don't want to do it um 
you know, my favorite line in the doc is, is from Warwick Scott, one of Scott's grandson, who says, you know, deep down, Bubba's wanting to say, can I just try it? And the reality is, no, you cannot. Warwick Scott said that before everything that happened in 2019 and 2020. He, he said that for an interview we did with him uh, for, the, for the SC feature story three years ago. And, and it was, it was, it was pressing. I mean, it was, it was, it was, um, uh, it was, it was very, it, it has all come true and it's true. And he's never going to be able to do that. So he has to go to work every day with his fist clenched. He has to get on social media every day with his fist clenched. He doesn't want to have to fight through everything every day, but he has to. And so uh, I think that's where fistful came from. I forgot to mention you, you included the, the interview from 2018 with Bubba, where he says he doesn't really care about the Confederate flag. Yep. Um, I'm really glad you included that because it, yep. it shows how life events and time can change a person. Um, th- three years ago or forever, three years ago, he didn't really give much thought to it, but now he, he cares and he understands it. And I think I really appreciated the through line that kind of helped set up. In a sense. Well, to me, that's the story. I mean, the, 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 the headliner is going to be the Confederate flag in the noose and him winning the race and, and all that. But, but to me, the story is watching. And again, when you've been around a while, you and I both have been fortunate to see these young guys come along. We've heard about them since they were 16. They're going to be the next Jeff Gordon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you watch them. They, they, they hit a crossroads. I wrote a story about Denny Hamlin, his rookie year for ESPN Magazine. He, he still gives me a hard time about it because I wrote about a kid at the crossroads. You know, he'd, he'd won the clash. Uh, he'd won the um, – he won at Pocono. Um, and he just signed his first big contract. And I wrote in the piece. I go, they all get to this point. And they're either going to stay in touch with themselves or they're going to be jerks. Mm-hmm. And, and they usually come back around at the end to being to themselves again, but usually they'll depart for a little while. And he, for years would say, well, what did I do? I'm like, well, you don't want to answer that question, <laughs> but, but, but the, uh, but, but the point is, is that um, watching these guys, because our athletes don't have a lot of turnover in NASCAR, we watch them grow up. Mm-hmm. And, and in the case of Bubba Wallace, we've never seen one had someone have to grow up like he has, except for, I mean, going back to Del, the Earnhardt, you know, watching Dell Jr., um, you know, he, he turned from a boy to a man right in front of us in, in one day. And, yeah. uh, and, and Bubba Wallace, to me, did the exact same thing over the course of, of really just a handful of weeks when you think about it in the summer of 2020. All right. I, I asked Twitter to, get, to give me some questions for you, and uh, I, got, I got two. Okay. Uh, the first one's from Randall, uh, and you, you named Jeff, Jeff Gordon a minute or two ago. He asked, why does it seem that media and fans alike have forgotten how dominant of a career that Jeff Gordon had? I, I, he, he was, he, he's the best I ever saw. I mean, his, with the, the season he had 98, I don't know if anybody's ever going to top that. It, it was, it got to the point where it actually helped train me to cover Alabama football during this phase <laughs> of my career, because it got to the point where I don't know what to say, you know, I've got to, I've got to cut a highlight and I've got to write a feature and I've got to write something for ESPN magazine. And I don't know what to write. I mean, because what people don't remember about that year was he won the poll every Friday. You know, it wasn't just that he, that he won race and, and him clinching. I always say this too, anybody that has a problem with the chase era, the playoff era, the postseason era of NASCAR yeah. did not have to, I'm, I'm from Rockingham. I was born there. I'll be buried there. And I went to so many completely useless. Why are we even here? Rockingham races. And mm-hmm. it's because Jeff Gordon may not have officially mathematically clinched championship by the time we got to the you know penultimate race of the year but the reality was math wise he had clinched in august and and <laughs> it, he he was he was so great yeah and you know if had been for jeff gordon we wouldn't have gotten jimmy johnson you know he he not only was he the best stock car driver i covered in my career um because i kind of caught earnhardt at the end was um uh but 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 he also oh by the way you know brought us the guy that you know was the greatest of his generation statistically well i kind of get where, where, where randall's coming from um a little bit because gordon's last title was 20 years ago yep um, it's yep. it's that's like looking back at 01 at 1981 who, yep. who who won the title in 81 yep yeah well we're, we're talking about um not remembering stuff that happened 20 years ago and it was 20 years ago i mean you know that was the other, th- the other th- we, we rightfully so we, we focus on 
what all Dell Earnhardt Jr. did to help everyone heal and mm-hmm. what Kevin Harvick did to help everyone heal. Um, but I don't, I've always believed that Jeff Gordon's never been given enough credit for what he did in 2001 because he won a championship, but he also seized the leadership role in the garage. And he was never going to do that as long as Earnhardt was driving and he didn't want to do that. Um, but, but he, Jeff had a lot to do with uh, the course correction that NASCAR needed at that point. And, um, and, you know, the most successful years in the history of the sport were the next five years. And, and Jeff Gordon set the table for that. All right. Final question from Aaron Bearden. Uh, I'm curious how, how this is his tweet. I'm curious how he balances the different sports he covers. He's obviously big in the college football world. Bottom 10, baby. Uh, does the co- does the college baseball thing and then still makes time to write and do things in the motorsports realm. How does one schedule all that one out? Uh, it's, it's a Jenga puzzle. Um, <laughs> I'm really good at Tetris, which it helps because that's what my schedule looks like. No, it's, um, I love them both. I love, you know, I grew up on college campuses. My dad was a college football official. That's, that's our book we wrote right there behind yeah. me and, and about it. And, uh, um, so I, mean, I, I grew up a, a college sports fan. Um, you know, when I went to ESPN right out of college, uh, that's what I thought I was going to do. But at the time, there were only two Southerners in the entire company. And they're like, hey, you, you're from North Carolina. You know about NASCAR, right? I go, I do. And I knew – I didn't know as much as they thought I did, I don't think. But I <laughs> certainly knew more than any of them did. Um, and, and Jeff Gordon, I've told Jeff this. I owe him my entire career because, lo and behold, right, when I started there, when he started, you know, when he made NASCAR cool. Yeah. Um, but it's – uh. Uh, I, I, the balance is that you sacrifice other sports. Um, I could, I couldn't tell you anything that's going on in the NFL right now, uh, other than the players that I covered in college. Like I basically spent two years with Baker Mayfield for E60. And so I keep an eye on Baker Mayfield. I keep an eye on Joe Burrow because I covered him so intensely at LSU. Um, he came up Marty McGee all the time. I, there's individuals, but I couldn't tell you the big picture. I, I took my family to a Panthers game last Sunday, my first weekend off since August. And I didn't even know, like I, I knew Cam was back, but I didn't have any idea, are the Falcons any good? I don't know. Or, are the Panthers are okay. <laughs> because I just, my, I always say my brain's like a city bus. It can only hold so many people. So uh, during the fall, when the NASCAR playoffs are going on, when Bubba Wallace is winning the race, and, um, and then also we're in the throes of college football, I, I don't have my brain doesn't have capacity for anything else. So I'll I'll transition. I'll start my Daytona transition, um, college football playoff championships second weekend in January. I'll try to sleep for a couple of weeks, and it'll be time to go to Daytona. But but as long as work keeps sending me to Daytona in February and Indianapolis in May, uh, I'm gonna make it work. <laughs> I guess okay. You you were there in a one with what's happening in 2022 with the new car, a bunch of new teams coming in. Um, does, does O2 or does 2022 have an O1 feel to it? Yeah. Uh, the TV thing was just such an overwhelming, you know, I, I left ESPN and went to work for Fox myself. It was such an overwhelming story. Um, and, and they were, I mean, they're, they're, they're so great at hype. They were then they still are Fox. Uh, and because of that, there was a, it was a lot of more national, I think attention to it, but, but uh, yeah, there's never been a time when there's this much change and I'm, I'm here for it. You know, you know me, man, I've been screaming about the schedule for 20 years. Um, <laughs> I love these places. I love going to some of them, but we've been going to some of these places twice a year for too long. The races are too long. Uh, I still, I think they've given up way too fast on midweek summer races. I think I absolutely, absolutely agree. Listen, the numbers are where they are and my assignment is what it is. You know, they used to always, Told me ESPN would be like, all right, you know, even when we weren't televising, all right, this weekend here, yeah, it's Ohio State, Michigan State, but you got to go to Homestead. And that's not the case anymore. And the reason is because football is so all consuming and the NBA is starting and hockey is starting and baseball is in postseason. I just think it's a mistake to try to go head to head against those guys. So own the summertime, you know. Uh, but, but I say all that to say this easily the most change we've seen. Uh, going into one year since 2001 and um, you know I applaud them for trying some stuff and if it doesn't work it doesn't work fine you know but uh, you know try it and see but I think a lot of it's going to work I mean cars look cool 
<laughs> I, I, I know that. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's, that's step number one is, um, you know, the car of tomorrow was not a bad race car. The car tomorrow was just ugly as hell. And if that car had looked cool, nobody would have complained. And, and at least with these cars, they look cool. So, um, I jury, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see about the lug nut thing. I, I think it's one of those we're all mad about and it's going to be weird, but by the time we hit April, nobody's going to be talking about it. All right. All right, Ryan, Ryan McGee, thank you for, for dropping the hammer with me. Um, we're, I'm definitely going to have you on again, hopefully at some point in the near future to just yeah. do a smorgasbord NASCAR discussion. Yeah. So. Marty, Marty and I are trying to like in the summertime when we're doing three hours of radio, Marty and I are kicking around the idea of just, just announcing one Saturday and we're just going to talk about nothing but nineties NASCAR like Jeff Green Nesquik for like three hours and just see, <laughs> just see what happens. So 90s plus early 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah, it, oh yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it stretched into that's it. More, that's when Martin and I first met. So yeah, we start, we start talking about uh, Harold Holly's mullet and just see how many people remember because we remember. I don't know who that is. Okay, I'm going to tweet it later. It's the greatest <laughs> mullet of all time. All right, so right, Ryan, where, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, when I, when I bother to look at it, ESPN McGee, and then obviously on ESPN.com and Marty and McGee, uh, we're dark for the next couple of weeks, but, but, uh, we'll be back on the air, uh, ESPN radio, SEC network Saturday morning, starting, uh, January, the, whatever the first Saturday of January is. And Fistful Steel, that's on ESPN plus now, right? Yeah. It's on ESPN plus and, uh, and there are re-airs too. I know it re-aired again. Uh, one night I wasn't expecting. So everybody just during the holidays, they'll be dropping it where they can. And, and if you still have ESPN news, they show those E60 docs around the clock and it'll definitely show up there. But yeah, ESPN plus go get that. Uh, go get that Disney plus Hulu ESPN plus bundle. It's still way cheaper than all those other ones. And uh, you can watch this full steel. And uh, you'll, you'll be watching the Boba Fett show in two weeks, right? Uh, are you joking? Yeah, of course I am. No, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I'm trying not to get too excited about it, but but if you ask my wife about Mandalorian, as soon as Slave One, which is what I still call it, came flying in, I literally, Boba Fett's ship, I literally just started jumping up and down in the den at one o'clock in the morning. So yeah, I feel like I'll be doing that like every single Wednesday for the next month and a half. Okay, gun to your head. If you can watch an episode of one of these series tomorrow, you have to choose Boba Fett, or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right. Uh, well, I, I listen, Boba Fett's the man. We've already gotten more Boba Fett than I ever expected to get. Yeah. But I really never thought we'd get any more Obi-Wan. And so, uh, so yeah. And, I'm, I'm, and plus, all due respect to the maker, I'm curious to see what, uh, what uh, Hayden Christensen can do with an actual script. And so we'll... Uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all I'm all in on that. I, we've already again, we've already got so much more Boba Fett than I ever expected to get for the rest of my <laughs> life. That uh, if I had to pick one, it'd be Obi Wan. All right, thank you. I agree. I agree. So, okay. All right, thank you. All thank right. you, Ryan McGree. All right, Ryan thank McGee you. Man. Appreciate it. Jordan, dropping the hammer. Anytime.